the main thing is to learn as much as you can, listen as much as you can, and then you got to know when to say it. When to say it, what you say, and how you say it, those are the three most important things of a script supervisor. Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the boots on the ground work of Below the Line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show is for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about script supervising. Once again, we are your hosts, Bryce Sirier and Kiku Terasaki. Hey, Kiku. Howdy. So I'm really excited for our conversation today. Not only do we learn more about the essential role of the script supervisor in filmmaking, but we also get insights into universal principles that can be applied in any job on set or in the office, whether our listeners work in features, TV, commercials, wherever they're coming from. Our guest teaches us about the effective flow of information and mindful communication on set. As she puts it, what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, all with the purpose of understanding and executing the creative vision of the project. And Kiku, I'm excited to hear it from her point of view, from the best seat in the house. So on set, there's always four people right next to camera. The director, the first AD, the DP, and the script supervisor. Making sure that the movie will cut together even though it's never shot in chronological order takes an amazing ability to focus simultaneously on one thing and everything. And today we have a master script supervisor as our guest, Ana Maria Quintana. Ana Maria script supervised so many great movies, Blade Runner, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan. In fact, almost all of Steven Spielberg's movies, as well as blockbusters like the last three Hunger Games. She did all of them as a department of one. So I'm looking forward to hearing how she does it and what she's learned from her experiences with different genres, directors, DPs, editors, and great screenplays. So welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. I feel very honored. Oh, the honor's ours. Thank you so much for joining us. So we'd love for you to start us off, Ana Maria, by telling us your story. How did you first get started in the business and discover the job of script supervising? I don't know how it happened to me, but I, I've always been at the right time at the right place. You know, I'm not from this country. I was born and raised in Chile. And um, we, we first landed in New York, and then my mother decided to bring the whole family to Los Angeles. I always loved films, even when I was in Chile, because that's how I learned how to speak English was by watching movies. But anyway, then I, we moved to Los Angeles and we came here and I lived two blocks from Los Angeles City College. So I went and I took a friend of mine and I said, we're going to go to school. And I said, we're going to go and sign up. Then we signed up at Los Angeles City College, where I think it was like $3 or $5 per course. And um, one was a cinema class. And then in, in class, one day I was asked to do a small little film. Uh, one guy said, hey, do you mind taking the notes? This job called script supervising. I had no idea what I was doing. I wrote everything down. And then another student said, I'm going to go do a film in Georgia. You want to come? And I said, sure, I'll go. What do I know? And we went to do this film in Georgia, which was called Tuskegee with an African-American director. And he had an African-American camera operator and an African-American grip. 
And the African-American camera operator was the first operator to be let into the union as a black man. And then the grip was also the first one. And of course, they had worked on quite a few things. So you would pick up things from them. Like he, like the operator would say, you know, Anna you're supposed to know what lenses we're using. So I learned from him. Then we did another little student film where a mentor was an editor and he had been one of the editors on Cleopatra. He had come from MGM and done all these incredible films. He was mentoring us and he would also say to me, you know, you should write this down. And from there, I started to figure out how to do it. In the meantime, I had all these other jobs. I was working as a waitress. I was working as a sales clerk. I was doing whatever I could, but I would do these little things. And eventually I got my first professional film. I was what, 22, 23, something. Uh, it was an American production, but I went to Mexico. And the reason why I went to Mexico, because they wanted the script supervisor to speak Spanish and English. And so I ended up working in Mexico for the first 12 years of my career. And this is why I got to do very big films. Who Stopped the Rain? The director was Carol Rice. At that time, you couldn't get any bigger than that, you know? Plus, I learned so much from him because he wrote the book on editing, you know, and he would explain how he was going to cut and he showed me the shots. And that's how I learned about cheating and what's important and what isn't. Anyway, so Carol Rice, uh, John Schlesinger, I mean, come on. I also got a chance to work with Tony Richardson. Amazing. I mean, so, so I got to work with these very big directors, but the crews were all Mexican, all in their 50s. They had all worked with John Ford, with Peckinpah, with John Huston, because all these huge movies have been made in Mexico, in Durango, Mexico, in Puerto Vallarta. They had their golden era. Gabriel Figueroa, all these amazing directors of photography. And it's when Buñuel went to Mexico also, and he shot mm. in Mexico. So these crews had knowledge that was unbelievable. And there I was, I was the only young person there. So I soaked it all up and I fell in love with the whole culture. Of course, it was easy for me. It's part of my world. I'm, I'm Latina. So I was able to fit right in. I went, oh my God, this is my world. I know exactly how to be in this world. And of course, I fell in love with every Mexican man, but that's a whole different story. And so right away in the beginning of my career, I was put into very big films, word of mouth, people liked me, and I just went in and I learned. So I am a firm believer of um, learning on set. That's awesome. For anyone listening that might not be very familiar with your role, could you give us kind of an overview of what exactly the script supervisor does, both in prep? and on set during production? A script supervisor starts with timing a script and you take each scene to figure out approximately what you think the screen time will be. This is essential for production. Producers wanna know that they don't have too many pages or maybe too little pages. It's also information for the director while you're shooting to let them know, are you going too long or are you going too short? Which is also important. So that's one of the first things that we do. And then the next thing that a script supervisor does is you take that script and you make a continuity breakdown. You are sort of like the last eyes. You do work very closely with props, with set dressing, with makeup, with hair, and with wardrobe. And they all use your breakdown, which is very important. It becomes like a Bible. And even the assistant directors will also use it for what day is it in the story. So that's the other thing that you do while you prep. Then after you prep, then you start shooting and you are responsible, number one, for a production report. And the production report, it's something that you hand in every day 
and you tell the production company when was the first shot, when was the last shot, what time you went to lunch, what time did you shoot after lunch. Production likes to know these things because that way they keep an eye on if you're going a little bit behind or what's going on. You also report on what scenes were done to make sure that it matches the call sheet because production and studios, when they get a call sheet and then they get your report and the call sheet says you were supposed to do scene 10, 14, 20, and 30, and you go back on the report and you say, we completed scene 30, and they go, what happened to the rest? Well, guess what? We're behind. You are also responsible for making sure that every piece of dialogue that's on that script is being said. If they don't say something, it is your responsibility to let the director know that something was changed, but it is also your job if the director says, no, I don't mind him saying that, then you make that change in the script so that at the end of shooting, you turn in a script that shows what was actually said as opposed to what was originally written. You are also responsible for all rehearsals that are being done on the set, because a lot of times directors will give a lot of notes when they're rehearsing. You have to make those notes. You are then also responsible for all camera information. You have to know what is the shot that's being shot, whether it's a two shot, a single, a wide shot. You have to know what lens it was shot on. You have to know what filters they were shot on, exterior, interior. You are also responsible for screen directions. If somebody's not looking the right way, if somebody is looking the right, what would be the right angle to put that in? You make these notes all day long. It is sort of like taking minutes of the day for the editor because the book that you are writing all these notes on are a Bible for the editorial department. They get all this footage and they don't know what it is because they weren't there, but then they look at your notes and they know exactly where it's supposed to go. I think I've covered just a little bit of what we do. It's amazing. <laughs> on set. All the things that you've got to juggle at the same time, right? That is all the stuff that we do when we walk in at seven o'clock. And by the time I go to my chair and it's seven or five, you've answered 15 questions and you better know the answer to all of them. <laughs> you've got to work with a particular director, especially Steven Spielberg, repeatedly. And that means you're working with a lot of the same team. Can you talk a little about like how that evolves and what do you think the value of it is to the creative outcome? Oh, I think it's incredible. Well, we started with Stephen on Hook. Dean Kundi was the director of photography and he had his whole group that he'd always been working with because the director of photography will associate himself with a you know crew that he knows and they know how he works and, and its personalities. That's a big deal, you know? Then we did Jurassic Park and we grew together. And it was great because we all knew how Steven works. We all knew how if the call is seven, his crew was there by 6.30. No questions asked. Everybody went to work. So because when Steven walks on the set at seven, you better be shooting by 7.05, 7.15 because he, he's on it. You better be prepared. It, for him, the set is not for you to go work out things. He's already worked it out. For you, for you the set is to work and shoot which is true. That's what it should be. And with Steven, you got definitely got to know when to speak to him and not because he's always thinking, he's always figuring out shots. So sometimes you might think he's just sitting there. No, 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 he's not. He's not ever, 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 ever. And I would constantly see people like coming up and I would go, no, 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 no. Right now it's not the time. Cause I could tell he was trying to figure something out 
and that's not the time to speak with him, you know, because he's always creating in his mind. He's, he's amazing. So it, I think it's fantastic when you know the people around you, because otherwise, when, whenever I've had to go work on a film and it's a brand new crew, it takes a good maybe the first week to sort of gel with everyone and to figure out how everyone's going to be. Now, in my position, especially when I have to talk to makeup, hair, props, set designer, you know, the, I got to talk to everybody. So I got to figure out how I'm going to get along with everyone. It's a big part of the job and it takes a lot of energy. I can do the rest of the job. I can do the notes. I can do all the other stuff. And, and then I got to figure out how does the director work? I, that's my priority at first to figure out what does he like? What does he not like? Can I speak to him? When do I speak to him? Does he want to comment? Does he not? There's like millions of things you have to psychologically you, you're, you're a psychiatrist, actually. And then you got to figure out how you're going to talk to every department because every department, they have their personalities and they have their views and they don't want to get insulted. Like, you know, you can't go to someone and say, you know, the hair wasn't like that last time. Oh, forget it. Then you, they'll never speak to you again. And that's the end of that. Or it'll always be a clash and you can't have that. But everyone tends to be very collaborative, all in all, I must say. I mean, the, the professionals, the pros and the good ones always are. The ones that are not too good or insecure, those are the ones that are going to give you a harder time. Right. So so you're in the middle of all these forces coming together to make the film possible. Do you ever experience or witness tension? What advice or insights would you give about, you know, finessing, working with all these key people? There's always tension. <laughs> Where there is money involved, there's always tension because you're trying to make the day. There's always something comes up that wasn't planned for. If an actor's not doing well or something's not quite gelling between a director of photography and a director, something that I would love to, to emphasize to the new script supervisors coming up, the main thing is to learn as much as you can, listen as much as you can, watch as much, and then really pick what you're going to mention. Because if you start mentioning everything and you don't realize what's important and what's not important in a frame, you will lose them all. They'll never listen to you again and nobody will ever talk to you again. You do have to earn the respect, you know, because they'll watch you. If you do bring something important up, you know, uh, about the actor that he forgot and or he was moving too quickly in the scene before and now he's not moving fast enough or he was out of breath and now he's not. You know, those are the important things you got to remind, but you got to know when to say it, when to say it, what you say and how you say it. Those are the three most important things of a script supervisor. If you come on too much, like an authority, that's not going to get you in. If you mention things that are not important, you're going to lose your audience. And when, if a director's having a really hard time with an actor, can't get his performance, and all of a sudden you go in there and you mention something, uh, for, that's, that was the wrong time to mention it. So you've got to know when and how you're going to. The same time, how you speak to an actor. Actors are in their world. They're creating. They're, they have their process. Uh, so you don't want all of a sudden, you know, yell across the stage. You forgot your line. Oh, my God. Can you imagine what that does to an actor? So you don't want to do that. You want to be able to very diplomatically go in there. And uh, I always say, did you want to say this this way? Because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is the way it's written, but is this how you would like to say it? You know, so that the actor then goes, oh, no, 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 no. I should be saying it that way. Thanks. You know, also, you have to know whether you can or not speak to an actor, because sometimes directors don't want you to. 
They want to be the only ones, which is understandable because they have a, a rapport and you might throw them from that. It's very important to know when because an actor could be in his whole world. And if you go speak to him and take him out of that world, can you imagine? It's, it's death, you know. So all those things are extremely important. What about the editor? Do you feel you're the editor's voice on the set? Uh, yes, 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 we are. Uh, we definitely are his representative because we are putting everything in order, especially in a visual effects film where you might just get these blank, you know, frames. He has no idea. What is that? Where does that go? What does that mean? So you make those notes. Your notes become so crucial. So he doesn't have to be waiting till the director comes to the editing room to tell him something, you know. Although, th thankfully, now we do tend to always do a reference take with a mock-up so an editor gets an idea. Um, you also work very closely. Now, I find myself working also very closely with the visual effects supervisor because he's got information and you want to make sure that we haven't forgotten something. Or he'll say, make sure we get these plates or make sure we, we do this or make sure, you know, he'll tell me sometimes, make sure when you're timing the dolly move that it is the same speed. You can't change, mm. or it's very important in this one that we get this or we get that, you know. So it's all all of you watching at the same time because there's so many things to watch. So you are still, you know, representing an editor, making sure things are done, making sure you haven't forgotten something on the script, making sure that, you know, everybody gets caught up on the effect and then they forgot to say two lines or something, you know. Yeah, you want to talk about that a little bit? That was one of our questions, like, how was the changes in technology, film to digital, LED lighting, all kinds of effects work? How do you see that? Has it changed your work? It has changed drastically, added more to my job. It's added more. You have to watch for more things. You have to record more information for the visual effects department. You have to record more information. But the basics of the continuity still is the same. Watching the dialogue, it's even more important Sometimes in these big uh, effects movies, having the opportunity to work with someone like Spielberg, with him, you know, I got like amazing opportunity to work on Jurassic Park, which was sort of like the breakthrough of films with visual effects, you know. Of course, I had done Blade Runner and Blade Runner was also in its own form, you know, a breakthrough film. And then it was Jurassic Park. And then to watch the progression of how fast that world has changed. And for some unknown reason, I have been incredibly fortunate and incredibly lucky to have been in all those films forefront that I had to learn. I love it. I think the last big film I did was Ant-Man and the Wasp. And it was wonderful to be in the middle of the set one day and have all these 20-year-olds discussing all these huge things. And then there was a question about a shot. And I remember... I was able to be in the conversation and I was the only person in the middle of that group being my age, being a woman and not being 20 years old and being able to express something about a shot that it takes you back to the basic because you always have the base. The base is the base. And if you know the base and you know the principles of, of filmmaking, it still applies even though you're doing all this other stuff now. You still need to know how is it going to cut? What is, how are the eye lines? Are the eye lines correct? Even more so when you're doing visual effects because 
actors are doing things with things that they don't see, you know, and also how to watch, you know, your, your monitors. You know, I started with no monitors. Then I went to one monitor. Then all of a sudden people started to shoot two and three cameras. And now it's the norm. It's the norm to always be shooting two cameras, if not three. And then you've got five and six cameras. And now you got to watch all six monitors. What are they doing? What are they covering? So that if a director turns to you and says, did I get that shot? You better know. Did you get it? <laughs> And so, yeah, that's, I'm really fascinated with that. When a director asks you, did I get it? What do they mean? How do you get into a working relationship with a director? And I believe the actors, because they will interact with you as well. You know, to know what is the creative intent. Well, you know, most, most directors will turn to you and tell you, I like that take. I want that take. When you're watching the scene, something special will happen and you'll look at each other and you know it's special. So I always, you know, make sure that I put like a lot of asterisks. You know, when you start to shoot, that's why it's very important when a director chooses you to be his script supervisor because you are sitting next to him all the time. So he starts to confide and depend on you. You know, and so it becomes a very close relationship. And I've always made sure that I accomplish that in every film where I really become in tune to that director. I want to like really feel what it is he's looking for. And you really do. You mean, by the time you've, you've read the script and you've, you've ingested the script inside out and you start to watch the actors and you start to listen to what he's saying to them when you can. Then you start to understand what he's going for, what he's doing. I've always made it a point of trying to, besides doing my regular job, really listen for those things. You know, Now, some directors let you in and some directors don't. Uh, someone like Mr. Steven Spielberg is never going to turn to you and ask you if, you've, if he's got something. He knows exactly when he has it. He knows exactly, you know, that's why he doesn't do a lot of takes. That's why he doesn't do a lot of setups, because he has it down to a perfect thing for himself. There are other directors where you work a little closer with, you know, and other directors will turn to you and say, did I get one that's fast enough? Did I get one that I can cut away right away? And I'll say, well, she kept moving. So I don't know how you're going to cut to that. So you're in part of that conversation. In the later films now, there isn't as much because there isn't as much time, you know, Time is very precious now. You get in that set, uh, you'll have a rehearsal, the director will work it all out, and it's all about let's shoot and let's shoot. You got to shoot and get the day done because, you know, the pressure is is immense now. It's it's faster. I'm fascinated that you say that because at the same time, the amount of stuff that's done has exploded, especially in something like Hunger Games. It's the amount of things that are going on. Are you doing fewer pages per day? more pages per day, fewer scenes per day, maybe that's a better way to put it, than before? No, I don't think so. I know you're spending less time, you know, because you have less, you know, shooting days. But, you know, I think what happens now with those kinds of films, like with The Hunger Games or, or, or Ant-Man, the preparation is huge. So you're shooting is much more condensed because you got to go in there and you got to know every one of your shots you're going to get. And also, because they're visual effects shots, most of the time you've done a total storyboard of the whole film where the director has worked intensely with the visual effects supervisor and with your director of photography. So it's all been worked out and all been mopped out. So when we go in there, you know exactly how it's all going to be shot. Well, let me ask you about making the day. 
So how do you interact, if at all, with the first AD? Oh, no, you do all day. They're the general of the set. You know, they're the ones that run the set, you know, to make sure that we're going from A to Z. I will always go to them first, you know, if I have a, a concern about something uh, and say, you know, I'm not sure about this. Do you really think this works? And he'll mull it through and he says, let me talk to uh, the director. Then if need be, I'll call you in or something. I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. So, you know, there's always that. I, I mean, I work with him very closely when we're pre preparing the shoot because he's doing the breakdown of a shooting schedule. I check it as I'm getting to know the script. So I'll have a question and I'll say, you know, we're missing these props or we're missing this or why is that? And he'll say, well, because I had a meeting and we took it out. So now I know because he has a lot of information. You have to understand this is one of the biggest things that I've never quite understood. Assistant directors come on a film easy six months, if not a year before a film is made, depending on the size of the film, right? So he's worked with the director and he's gone through things many, many times. Then you have your wardrobe designer. They've gone through everything and they've had millions of discussions. Then you have your set designer, the same thing. They, they came in a year, if not two years before, because, you know, it's a huge thing to design and come up with a concept. You come on two weeks before. That's it. Obviously, good people, I think. I've had very lucky good uh, producers have hired me or have told me about a film a year before, which is really nice because they thought about your position a year before. That's usually the old timers. I like to call them the old timers coming from before. The new generation that's coming up, they don't quite understand what we do, so they don't really include us, you know. But what's funny about this is that we get two weeks prep, and in two weeks, I have to catch up to what everybody's been doing for a year. And I better know everything better than they do in two weeks, so that by the time we start shooting, I have to know the script better than the writer, better than the director, better than everyone by the time we start shooting. In case a question comes up, I have to know the answer. And um, it's part of the job. I mean, I've you know, I don't sleep or anything for the, the two weeks prep and I end up working 16 hours on my own because that's another thing. You'll never get paid for 16 hours on prep. They figure you can do it all. Uh, and just to get myself prepared and to know that script inside out and to digest the AD's breakdown, the AD's shooting schedule, the all the storyboards, all the previs and digest it all and be prepared. I think, you know, that encapsulates sort of my biggest takeaway and, and hope for this episode that no matter what role our listeners might be in, that we can all understand and appreciate better the role of script supervisor and your vital contribution to the film. So, Anna Maria, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. We've reached the point on our show now where we do our Abby Singer moment. Our guest has the opportunity to, you know, tell a joke or share a story with some kind of takeaway or lessons learned. Do you have something that you'd like to share with us for our Abby Singer? I'll go back to when I first started working in the business, the number one lesson that I learned, and it was in Durango, Mexico, and the location was very, very far away. It was about two hours or something, whatever. They picked me up in the morning. I remember it was a very early call. And I get to the set. And of course, all the Mexican men were going goo goo gaga over me. I was, you know, very thin, long hair. They weren't used to a 20-year-old showing up on the set. And the minute I get to the set, I realize I left the script at the hotel. I didn't have a script. I didn't have anything with me. 
And I mentioned to the, I think it was the assistant director, you know, I forgot the script. And I've always said this, that if I ever do a movie, I would love to put it in a movie because it was like a Western. And all five or six men, they all took out their scripts like a gun, you know, <laughs> to give me their scripts. And I, I always said, I said, I said, wouldn't it be funny? Can you imagine me doing that today? Not one guy would turn around today and give me the time of day. But anyway, that's another story. So my first professional show, I showed up without a script. That was the first lesson I learned. You should always have two scripts. And to this day, I always have two scripts. And look where you are today. <laughs> it's possible to make mistakes and survive to have a great, great ongoing career. <laughs> but I love the image. <laughs> That's so great. I've never forgotten that. So before we say goodbye, do you have any parting words? What do you love most about the work that you do? I love being on set. I've always loved being on set. I love watching and seeing the creative, you know, process of it all. I mean, my seat is like the best seat in the house to be able to be right up front next to the director, listening to everything he's doing. Of course, DPs that are just amazing. I've had the the pleasure of working with some of the finest and just watching a whole production on a whole, how it comes about after so many years. I am still amazed how it all comes together. We have this beautiful working process of how to make a movie and how to put it together and how to bring someone's dream and vision into reality. And you're standing there and you're watching it and you're going, oh my God, this is actually happening. This is how it's done. You know, it's that magic of Hollywood, that magic of making movies. I've always said it's a drug. It's an addiction. I'm totally addicted to it. You know, it's just fantastic. I love it. Well, thanks again, Ana Maria. Kiku and I are really grateful for your time and your insights. We hope to have you on the show again soon. I appreciate it, including me and your project. I think it's great. So folks, for our bonus segment today, we're going to talk to Ana Maria about how she supervises multiple monitors at once. I know she's got some great insights and best practices for how to manage that important task as a script supervisor. To get that bonus segment and more, go check out our website at callsheetshow.com slash bonus. All our bonus segments are pay what you can. It's not a subscription, just an a la carte model. So you can pick whatever topics or stories sound most interesting to you. And it's a way that you, our listeners, can choose to support the continued production of the podcast. You'll get extra stories and insights from our world-class guests, like Ana Maria, to help you become better filmmakers. We really appreciate any contributions you might be able to make. Thanks so much for being a listener, for being part of our call sheet community, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. And that's Taillights on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It is produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. Our guest today was Anna Maria Quintana. We talked about the role of script supervisor and best practices for effective communication on set. Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. Just a reminder, if you'd be so kind, please share the show with a friend or colleague and take a quick minute to leave us a review and leave us some comments about what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and support. It helps us grow and improve the way we can serve you. On that note, if you want to suggest a topic or share a story that you'd like to hear discussed in a future episode, please send it in. You can email us at callsheetpodcast at gmail.com 
or hit us up on Twitter at CallSheetShow. You should also check out our website for the latest content and news. That's callsheetshow.com. There are links to all of that and more resources in this episode's show notes, so be sure to check those out. Remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck and go make it happen.